and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. It's halfway through December if you can believe it. The World Cup is just about to finish, the holidays are around the corner, I've started my Yule celebrations for the year so that's really nice and it's getting lovely cosy in my house this time of year. I will say at the beginning of this episode that I'm taking next week off for the holidays. My family celebrate Christmas so I'll be doing that with them and then I'll be back the week after so on the 29th of December just before New Year's for our holiday special which is super exciting and we'll announce it at the end of the podcast today. This week though we're focusing on a monster that is usually known to have a not so cosy house and one that we would normally associate with the kind of cold wintry months in Eastern Europe. Yes, we are looking at Baba Yaga and her spooky house this week, just before the holidays. How festive! Baba Yaga is typically described as an old crone-looking figure, who lives deep in the woods in Poland and Russia especially, however is known throughout all of Eastern Europe, although some of these countries might have their own versions of her called different names. She is blind, has an elongated nose, one bone leg, sharpened metal teeth, and is usually dressed in a typical babushka-style outfit, with a draping dress and headscarf. She is known to be a witch, and can cast spells and craft potions, as well as being a sort of maternal figure to the woods she lives in at the time, having a deep connection with nature and the animals who live around her. Unlike other witches in Europe, she actually flies around in a mortar and wields a pestle rather than a broomstick. These are the spice crusher uppers of the world. Now, she also lives in a hut on the edge of the forest. It is a very usual log cabin type hut, but it's surrounded by a bone fence of her previous victims and hidden to those she does not wish to find it. The inside of the hut is always full of meat and wine, as well as skulls adorned with candles, but the most important feature of this house is that it stands on two chicken legs and can walk from place to place. To enter the house, Baba Yaga says the following incantation, Little house, turn your back on the forest and turn towards me. It is also guarded by invisible hands who will try and grab you and attempt to strangle you if you try to get into the hut without her inside. If you do manage to get inside, Baba Yaga will remove you if you have any kind of blessing on at the time of the visit. That is, if she figures out you have one on in the first place. But when you come to find Baba Yaga in her house, she's actually way too big for it with her nose going through the ceiling and her body stretching from corner to corner, which I imagine is quite a sight to behold. Now, I said meat in that last bit. I also talked about victims, and unfortunately, I have to say, she does only eat people. So it would be people meat. (laughs) She is known to tempt locals away from the path in the woods to get them to find her house in desperation, then kill them with her pestle, 
eating them later on, with her favourite snack being children, like any typical fairy tale witch. However, she's not massively keen on people, so she only really interacts with them when she has to eat, as it's said she'll age one year every time she's asked a question, and that she has to drink a tea made with blue roses in order to rejuvenate herself, which she does offer a large reward for if people bring them to her. There are apparently three Baba Yaga who prowl through the Slavic countryside, and they all have the same name and do the same thing. But if you do fancy going to find one for some reason, you may want an enchantment or a spell, you would need to call out, Dear Hut, please turn your back to the forest and your front to me. Much like Baba Yaga does when she summons it. Now if you can outwit her or help her in any way when you go to request things, she is more than happy to help. Only if you're not a child, of course. In terms of etymology, Baba Yaga is a Slavic word, but it most likely comes from the Polish Baba Yaga, which is spelt with a J instead of a Y. That's the only difference. Baba usually means old woman, usually one who is dirty or foolish, lives on the outside of the tracks, you know? However, Yaga is one that's never really been figured out. The closest translation anyone's ever found is in Sanskrit, and Yaga means sacrifice. However, it's been proposed that it's really similar to other words within Eastern European languages, such as Heza in Serbo-Croatian, meaning horror or shudder, Heza in Old Czech, meaning witch, or the Polish Jesta, meaning witch or evil woman. It's also been linked to the Slavonic, which is the old Slavic language, and that's Jeza, meaning disease. But honestly, we don't know where that bit comes from. It might even have just been an actual name that stuck with the character, and we have nothing written down about it. This happens quite a lot, especially in folklore and mythology. For the history of this character, though, Baba Yaga was first mentioned in 1755 in Mikhail V. Luminov's book Russian Grammar, where she is mentioned twice alongside other Slavic monsters, so we imagine that she has existed for quite a long time before that in order to make it into this book through word of mouth. She is depicted as more of an old-timey character, looking like she came straight out of a grim tale, so we can definitely attest to the fact that she was most likely in folklore from around this same time. And 1755 also matches up with the Grimm stories, as the Grimm brothers were actually writing at this time, although they were German, so most likely had limited influence on Slavic tales and storytelling at the time. She is mentioned in a lot of Slavic fairy tales, and I have my favourite to share with you, and it's probably the most popular one as well, but it's called Vasilisa the Beautiful. Vasilisa is very much a Cinderella-type character in this, She's very beautiful, hard done by, orphan, all of that jazz. And she has two evil stepsisters and a stepmother after her parents die. However, before her mother dies, she gives her a doll talisman, which she tells Vasilisa to always keep on her person. Turns out this talisman has powers, because of course it does. Years later, she is practically a slave to her new and monstrous family, and after a day of horrid chores which were only achievable through this magic doll, they force her to bring back light into their home, and is told to get some from Baba Yaga. She finds Baba Yaga's hut, with its beautifully gothic skull and skeletal decorations outside, and she pleases the witch by cleaning her house and her garden, 
washing her laundry and cooking a banquet for 12 people, which Babiaga eats entirely by herself. And I mean, I would too, to be fair. Then Vasilisa is actually asked to sort rotten grains of corn from the good ones and sort poppy seeds from soil, where she cries that she cannot do it. Babiaga goes out and the doll talisman does this for her. She wakes up to find the tasks complete and Baba Yaga is finally pleased. She tells her that she can take back a human skull with gleaming eyes, which can also talk. So she carries this back through the forest to her family, and when she returns, the skull begs her to place it on the table, and the light from the skull's eyes burns her stepmother and her stepsisters to ashes. Vasilisa buries the skull so it can't do any more harm, and goes off to make clothes in the city where the Tsar notices her work and marries her. What a happy ending. <laughs> Baba Yaga, though, is mentioned a lot more throughout Slavic stories through history. However, becomes a lot more of a folk figure, and her popularity soars after being in a whole load of modern media, which, as you know, we'll talk about later. However, there are some questions as to why with Baba Yaga. Why is her house on legs? Why the mortar and pestle? What's the deal with her being blind and having one bone leg? So many questions, but I actually have all the answers, and they relate more to the intricate stuff around culture in these places at the time she was going around. We talked earlier about how she is completely blind, but she can smell the living, and the living can see her completely fine. This is actually a really interesting point about her, and it's suggested that she is actually the gatekeeper between the living and the dead, highlighted by her one bone leg and her one flesh leg, saying that she doesn't have visibility or permanence in one realm or the other. In history as well, the lack of visibility over the living really comes as it's said that the dead do not see or notice the living. They don't really care for us, so it makes sense as to the fact that she can't see anyone, she can just smell them. As also her hut and herself live on the edge of the forest, it kind of implies that the forest is the realm which is protected, but often known in the Slavic myths to be a common place of death. Which does make sense, of course. In these times, if you get stranded, if you get lost, you could be eaten by something or someone, you could eat something poisonous, or you could just die from exposure. So actually, it makes sense that the forest is very much associated with death itself. And so her sitting on this edge of land, protecting the forest, does make her a very eerie type gatekeeper. And with the house, this actually makes a load more sense, because in central Russia, it was actually really common for a certain ethnic group called the Mokshas to bury their shamans above the ground, and their usual method was to place the coffin on wooden legs. This was to prevent revered members of society from departing the world through the ground, as being suspended above it was to keep it on the border between the two worlds, living and the dead. Therefore, with her house having legs much like these coffins, and Baba Yaga firstly being a being of supernatural power, and being stretched corner to corner whilst inside of it, kind of implies that the hut might just be a personification of one of these coffins and that she does live between those two worlds. The myth has just taken this kind of one step further and focused on the idea that she and the house are these gatekeepers as they so openly roam between both. 
Why it's chicken legs specifically? We're not sure, but they do kind of look like chicken legs when you look at pictures of these raised coffins. To finish up, the mortar and pestle are a part of this idea too, as they were really common with witches and shamans at the time. Mortars were for crushing grain back in these days, and were often linked with older women as it took a lot of time rather than strength, and of course old women have that as well as the idea that city folk at the time would be really surprised at the idea of a giant mortar and pestle and would think that this is ridiculous and people living in the countryside would have these crazy ridiculous mortars because they had no experience of living out rurally. So you can kind of see where all of this pieces together, where the death thing comes in, where the poorness comes in, where the women's side comes in. It all comes together to create this amazing gatekeeper-like Hades guardian being Baba Yaga and being terrifying and, you know, pleasable by the, the common man. Much like potentially Cerberus in the Hades could be completely satisfied by chucking it a couple of hams. You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> now on to modern media. There are actually loads this week for a Slavic monster, so we really are blessed this week. It's a real nice change for a lesser known mythology to have so many influences within our modern culture. It's fantastic. I'm excited. For art, we have Baba Yaga and Baba Yaga's Hut by Viktor Vesnov, which are two separate pieces from 1917. A really fantastic series is actually anything by Ivan Bilbin from the story of Vasilisa the Beautiful, which is from 1899. It has loads of different illustrations from this story. They are absolutely amazing. They kind of look like tarot cards. So I really recommend having a look at these. They are beautiful. Or if you're looking for other stuff, there's illustration to the Tail Cinco Filco by Elena Ditramivina Polanova from 1890. And lastly, Baba Yaga depicted in Tales of the Russian People by V.A. Gatskuk from 1894, which is a pretty depiction of her in her mortar or by her oven too. Please be impressed by my Russian pronunciations. They were terrible. I am so sorry. Otherwise though, check out some independent stuff for some really good spooky portraits like the one I have in my advertising from this week. In movies though, we have Baba Yaga, Terror of the Dark Forest, John Wick, Vasilisa Prekaznaya, Moratsko, Hellboy, New Adventures of Puss in Boots, Spirited Away, Polish Legends, Yaga, The Frog Princess, Secret Magic Control Agency, Frosty, Vodi, Dobrynya and the Dragon, and the Vanquishing of the Witch Baba Yaga. For TV, we have The Witcher, The Owl House, Lost Tapes, Bartok the Magnificent, Ever After High, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, Dragon Ball, Arthur, Legend Quest, Supernatural, Be Cool Scooby-Doo, Legends of Tomorrow, and the Magical Music Box. In video games, we have ones such as Roblox, Fortnite, Smite, Scribblenauts Unlimited, Alan Wake, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Pathfinder, RuneScape, Quest for Glory, Shadow Man Second Coming, Baba Yaga, Monster in My Pocket, Sobor, Ragnarok Online, Lord of Vermilion, Cabals, Road Not Taken, Gems of War, Rock of Ages 2 Bigger and Bolder, Russian Subway Dogs, Cthulhu Saves Christmas, and Blacktail. 
My book recommendation this week is Baba Yaga, The Wild Witch of the East in Russian Fairy Tales by Helen Golsko and Martin Sakuro for some really specific Baba Yaga stories. Or there's Slavonic Fairy Tales by John T. Nake for some really cool Slavic stories if you're interested in this specific mythos. And it certainly does not get enough love, so I really recommend looking into some of these and reading up about your Slavic mythology because it is awesome. But now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? You know what? I actually love this one so much that I'm having trouble saying a flat out no. Mainly as well because there could totally be an old witch in a wood. What's wrong with that? For her to have bones as fence posts is a little bit more intense, but it's really gothy and it's certainly possible. The house thing is definitely a bit of a stretch of course, but maybe it's a case that they just thought the house was parading through the woods because they couldn't find it again once they'd lost it? Who knows? I'm actually only familiar with Baba Yaga through this podcast, and I didn't know anything about her or her spooky house before I properly started researching mythology in the last two years. So it is definitely a new one for me, but now is so recognisable within modern media once you know about her. I really remember watching the last season of The Witcher and being like, Baba Yaga, yes, when she turned up. Although she's not actually called that in the series, it, something beginning with a V, I believe. Also, I love the Owl House series, and when the house started walking with the witches living in it with the chicken legs, I was equally as excited. Although, not as much surprised. But what do you think? Did Baba Yaga roam the Slavic forests? Let me know on Twitter, I would really love to know what you think about this one. I've been waiting for so long to cover this monster, it's really a legendary one that most people at least know about, and I really loved researching and talking about her as well. But also, a proper creepy one too. It really reminds me of like the cannibal witch in Hansel and Gretel, which really freaks me out to my childhood core. Next week, it's the pinnacle of the holidays, so I'll be taking a week off for the celebrations. However, I'll be back on the 29th of December, just before the new year, for a wonderful holiday special up in the Himalayas with the Yeti. Keep an eye out for the snowy Bigfoot on the slopes, not next Thursday, but the Thursday after. If you are celebrating anything throughout these last few weeks of December, have a really lovely time, enjoy your holiday with your family, your friends, whoever you choose to spend it with, and remember to look after yourself and have a safe and amazing time. I will see you after the holidays for our fabulous pre-New Year special. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. All of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, Stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes.